Well, today is the ascension of the Lord, and a lot of the times, I don't know, <laughs> it seems silly that we, uh, that we celebrate it. Yay, Jesus leaves! <laughs> no, it's like, well, that's, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I kind of wish that he was still here, that he didn't ascend to the Father, right? And we kind of get that sentiment from the apostles as well. Well, why are you leaving? And Jesus says, well, I'm leaving so that I can send another, right? I'll be there to intercede for you. And then he says, I'll be with you always, but then he's leaving, you know, so he's not with us, but yet he is with us. I'm just confused, right? He's just kind of, yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of conflicted on the whole feast day. Yay, Jesus ascends to the Father, and he leaves us, you know? It's kind of the excitement of maybe uh, a parent who's watching their child go off to college or or get their first house, right? It's, yay, you know, something good is happening, but yet, no, you know, it's, it's different. Or maybe it's only excitement because they're like, yes, get out of here. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, but there's kind of this confliction that happens in good things that take place because often with good things, there are other things that uh, happen with it. I've been experiencing it with the audio, and I'm hoping the audio is working right now, but who knows, because every single week, we fix one thing, one good thing happens, and then 20 bad things happen, you know, right? It's just kind of like, that often happens in life, right? One good thing happens, one bad thing happens. Uh, But what we know with God is that more good things happen than bad things, right? Is that he works good out of all things. Now, we can kind of see the ascension as the end of Jesus' work, but... The scripture is very clear that the ascension to the Father is not the end of Jesus' work. It's not just Jesus passing the baton and saying, okay, now you guys uh, got it. I'm going to go take some vacation because I've been working real hard. Uh, You guys do this. Uh, It's actually that he continues to work uh, even more. Now, it's unfortunate. Now, um, the, the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles speaks about the ascension just like the gospel does. The Acts of the Apostles is kind of the second book to Luke. So Luke, the Gospel of Luke is written, and then the Acts of the Apostles is kind of the follow-up to it. And so those two kind of combine. The end of Luke has an ascension, and then the beginning of Acts talks about the ascension, so they're kind of combined in that way. Now, the Acts mostly focuses on the Acts of the who? Apostles, right? It's focusing on what the Apostles do after Jesus ascends to the Father, and so that's why it kind of starts that way. Um, in this translation, which is the New, uh, New American Bible, which is kind of what we use for all of the scripture uh, in Mass, um, it starts out, in this first book, Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus did and taught. Now, um, what's interesting is that every single translation is trying to communicate Greek, which doesn't quite communicate completely. And um, just in terms of when you, again, when you emphasize something, something else, you know, doesn't get emphasized or, you know, vice versa. And sometimes the language doesn't exactly translate. And so the New American Bible specifically uh, focused on translating it kind of in the simplicity and and overall. But the Greek here, and, and many translations say, in this first book, Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, it's interesting that it's beginning. It's not that now Jesus is done, right? He did everything, taught everything, and now he's done. But actually, this Greek of the Scripture intends that, is communicating that Jesus is beginning his work as he ascends to the Father. And we should 
also see that as well. That the ascension is not a leaving, but is instead a beginning of a different way of Jesus working. One of the examples that I think is really easy, uh, a little bit clearer to be able to understand is, is the idea of a general, right? We really like the idea of a general being on the front line, right? Being with his troops and, and being in the midst of battle so that he really knows what battle is. But we don't want the general to stay there. Because if he stays there, the overall understanding of the whole battle is lost. Because he's only in that one place. We actually want the general back so that he can see everything and direct everything. And so I like this idea that Jesus ascends to the Father not to withdraw from the world, but instead to be able to uh, see and command as his kingship uh, is proper, right, in this. And so when he leaves, he's not leaving us. He's instead uh, being um, engaged with us in a different way than what Scripture specifically speaks. Not in a worse way, but in a, actually a better way, although it's different, right? Now, um, and so I think we should really focus on this last line of the gospel, which I think is really beautiful. And behold, I am with you always. Now Jesus says this as he's ascending to the Father, as he's leaving them, right? As he's not going to be with them. But he says, I am with you always. Now we often just look at the physical presence, right? Yes, Jesus is not physically present with us as he was while he walked this earth. But he is with us always. Not just sometimes, always. And it's so incredibly important for us. Uh, In the midst of it, I was talking with somebody who works at the hospital and um, it's just so incredibly sad to to see so many people uh, in the hospital and not to be able to have their family there. Or so many people in the nursing home who were not able to have their family come and visit. And you can debate whether that's right or wrong in the midst of it all. But it's very lonely, right? It's a loneliness, an abandonment. And the worker um, very aptly, you know, said, you know, she was feeling kind of bad and she, you know, tries to, you know, be as present as possible to them. But then she also, you know, acknowledged that they're never alone, right? Jesus is always with them, right? Now, we might feel alone, right? Even though that there's other people around. But that's not, you know, their fault. It's our fault, right? It's not Jesus' fault that we feel alone. It's, it's our fault, right? Uh, because we're not recognizing his presence. And so, not that to say, you know, everything's just fine because, well, they got Jesus, so they don't need the family. Uh, but... You know, as they acknowledge Jesus' presence, as they acknowledge his, his crucified presence, um, they are not alone. Right? Now, I'd like to comment uh, this gospel, you know, talk about kind of packed, you know, translation or, or packed scripture. This short gospel has so much in it. And I could, as you know, go on for hours, right? Um, But I'd like to touch on two other points that I think are just so poignant in this very short, very important part of this ascension of the Lord that we've been talking about. First of all, when the eleven disciples saw him, 
They worshipped Him, right? And we think, well, great. We are called to worship Him as well, and that's what we do at Mass. We worship Him. But if we read it all in connection, right? When they saw Him, they worshipped. And then we read the next line. But they doubted. Now we would assume that those things are completely opposed, right? Either you worship and you believe, or you doubt and you run away or you question or, or everything else. But we hear this contrast. They worshipped him and they doubted. Hmm. The apostles who saw Jesus crucified, risen, and then was beginning to ascend to the Father, and they doubted. Now, what kind of doubt is this? This isn't a complete disbelief, right? They're worshiping Him, and so they have a certain belief. They're disciples of Him. They're trying to be like Him. But there is still difficulty in their faith because they don't understand it, right? They see Jesus leaving, and they see Him leaving. And they hear His words, but they don't understand it. And I would say in the same way a lot of the times in our faith, right? We hear that Jesus is with us always. And we acknowledge it and we say, okay, He's with us always. But we kind of doubt. And we kind of say, well, I, I don't understand it. I don't always feel it. I don't always, you know. And we kind of doubt. And we say, well, I must not believe. Well, but what are you doing with that, right? Are you acting as though He's with you? Are you worshiping Him even though that you don't completely understand it, right? That's still belief. That's still seeking Him. That's still uh, union with Him. Just because you don't have it all together is okay. And I think especially during this time, during the COVID-19 and, and just kind of the craziness, we can kind of again have that tension of saying, well, I'm worshiping Him and I know that Jesus is God. That He's interceding for us, that He's at the right hand of the Father, and that He can heal us, and that He can take away plagues and, and, and illnesses, but yet I'm not exactly experiencing that. And so I'm going I'm to worship Him, I'm going to acknowledge Him as Lord, I'm going to try to be the best Christian that I can and try to be a disciple, but yet I also don't understand. And I kind of doubt maybe that He's working, maybe that He is there, right? But what do we do with that doubt? The apostles doubted, didn't understand, but yet they still worshipped Him, right? And later on, as they continued to worship Him and continued to understand as the Holy Spirit was sent and they were expanded with understanding, given the Holy Spirit, then they were willing to lay down their lives. And I think that's often true for us as well, especially as kids, right? We can either focus on the doubt and just say, well, I don't get it, so I'm not going to do anything, or... I don't understand it all, but I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to continue to hold in there. I'm going to continue to ask for the Holy Spirit. Continue to ask for enlightenment. Continue to ask for virtue. Continue to ask for grace in the midst of it all. And I'm going to try to be a disciple. I think that's the last thing that I'd like to touch on here. Jesus says as He ascends, He gives the Great Commission. This is called the Great Commission. Uh, it's, it's what He tells us to do as He leaves, Right? And so he says, All power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Right? He doesn't say, just, just tell people about me. He doesn't say, make believers, necessarily, although there's kind of a caveat in this. Right? 
He says make disciples and baptize them, right? That's that baptizing is that physicalness of becoming disciples of that, that grace that's there. But it's not just bapti- baptism in a vacuum, right? It's not just that we baptize children and then say, okay, we're all good. No, it's baptize and make disciples. Make disciples and baptize, right? And discipleship is more than just a belief. I think this is where we really, I think, have failed as Catholics a lot of the time, is that we've focused more on being baptized, being sacramentalized, and less on discipleship. Although, I would say it's, it's within the heart of Catholicism, right? Saints are the, the, the best disciples, ones who, who walk with Jesus, but don't just walk with Jesus of like, oh, I acknowledge your presence, Lord, but also disciples are ones who are students, but not just students, but that try to act to be as the master, to try to act in the same way in that. And so we, as Christians, are little Christ. We're not just believers of Jesus saying, Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord, but we become little Christ by becoming disciples, by watching him, by knowing him, and by trying to do everything uh, that he does, right? Which is love, which is be in communion with the Father, which is lay down our lives to unite our sufferings to him. During this Sunday, when the Lord leaves us, let us not think that he leaves us. He leaves us physically in a certain extent, but he is with us always. He's always with us through the Holy Spirit. He's always with us through his grace. He's always with us through the Mass. And he's always with us through the Eucharist. And so let us always acknowledge his presence and always know that we are never alone. Even in the midst of loneliness, we are never alone. Jesus ascends to the Father today, but he does not leave us. And so may we acknowledge that and continue to seek to be more like him um, and worship him in word and deed.